Caribbean Birth Stories has been brought to you by the Amai Birth Collection. Head over to theamishop.com. That's the A-M-A-I-Shop.com for special offers and to learn more about the Amai family. today's episode of Caribbean Birth Stories. I have with me a fellow countrywoman, Anya Elias. As many of you know, Trinidad and Tobago has been hailed as a land of steel band, calypso, limbo, parang, chutney, soca, and carnival. Therefore, it was only a matter of time before the mass, in the words of the great Peter Minchel, made an appearance on this podcast. Let me explain. Anya describes herself as being the country's youngest band leader at the age of 21 with Spice Carnival Band. She's now a private section owner and designer at Tribe Carnival. She owns and operates three resort boutiques as well as one of the largest clothing stores in Tobago. However, after Anya made a post on Instagram highlighting some aspects of her journey to motherhood, two avid listeners of this very own podcast reached out to me and said Anya would be perfect for the podcast and I should reach out. Anya was kind enough to agree to share her story with us. Let's listen. Hi, Anya. Hi. Finally, (laughs) we get to do this. Finally, we get to connect. Finally, finally, finally. It's been a long road for both of us. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it has. But I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, I'm looking forward to our chat. And with that being said, I want to go straight into that Instagram post, right? So you describe your journey to this amazing place called motherhood as a nightmare. Please share with us why you described it that way. Okay, I said nightmare. I did not mean literally mean the entire journey was a nightmare. Right, okay. The process of actually being able to carry a baby to full term. Right. That was a nightmare. Yes. <laughs> because I've had more miscarriages than you could think about. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, the journey, it was, it was hard. It was extremely emotional at the beginning. The first two times that it happened, I was young because I was the youngest band leader in the country at the age of 21. Not by choice, but right. I was kind of like just automatically put in there. So one of the things I wanted to do in my entire life on my bucket list was mommy. Okay. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. which I know a lot of women share as well, a lot of girls. But a lot of people, for some reason, they think it's embarrassing to share stories about miscarriages. And for right. me, it was actually embarrassing a long time, for years. I didn't right. share it with anybody. Obviously, my boyfriend, who is daddy, no. Yes. But I didn't share it with a lot of my friends because it just, to me, it was like a disappointment. Like, God made a woman to be able to do certain things with her body. And the number one thing on that list is to be able to have a baby and mm-hmm. make the population bigger and, you know, do those things. So I felt at the beginning... For the first two or three times that it happened, I felt like I was not able to do what God intended me to do. And nobody else to take place. Well, I mean, you can have surrogates, you can have different things, but my body personally could not do it. So I felt like I was a failure. But my lifestyle at the time was so hectic. I was going to China for a month to do costume stuff, pack containers. I was responsible for the entire office, for sponsorship, for everything. 
So mm-hmm. for me, I didn't have time to even feel Process it. it. Yeah. yeah. The first few times it happened, like maybe the first two times it happened, I had time to process it. And I mm-hmm. cried and I cried and I cried and, you know, I, I did all that. And then third time or maybe the fourth time, if I'm being correct, it's ha- it happens so many times that, I mean, I kind of lose track a little bit, but the first two times I felt all the emotions. I was not able to leave my house. I had to stay home. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't even explain what happened to anybody. You know, it was just so private. And I cried and cried and cried. There was actually one time, not this part is a little bit much, but I'm going to share it with you guys. It was the third time that it happened. And I had gotten to the three months. Right? It was like a day of my three months checkup. So I was going to go to the doctor, get the ultrasound, do everything, and then share the news with my family. Yes. And then when the doctor did, the ultrasound, there was no heartbeat. Mm. So he had to give me whatever tablets. He could put me on some tablets to be able to get the side of me. So I literally spent the entire, maybe like about 24 hours at home, and an entire baby the size of my hand mm-hmm. <laughs> came out of me. Yeah. And I'm talking like I could make out hands and toes and oh, really? head and yeah. the wiggly eyes and stuff like that, right? So that one hits home for me. That was my yes. that was my bottom. Oh, it couldn't get any worse. Yes, and yes. I didn't have anybody obviously that person was gonna be daddy, right? Yes, so I didn't have anybody yes. that part. And this may sound crazy to a lot of people, but mm-hmm. I thought people gonna think that I'm psychotic, you know. But I put that into a box, okay? Mm-hmm. I put it into a box and I put the box into the fridge. And mm-hmm. for me, I don't know why. Everybody has their own way of dealing with things. But for me, yes. I put it in the, bo- in the box in the fridge just because I was not at the point yet where I was ready to let go. Yes. So, I mean, I don't know if I'm I cra- if I'm like seriously crazy and I'm the only person who will let go through this. But I kept I doubt it, it for about a week and a half until mm-hmm. I was ready to let go. Right. And I took the box to the beach with daddy mm-hmm. and we both said prayers and we said, God, I surrender. And we released, we put into the ocean. And right. went away. Then I went home in the night and I wrote a letter. I went online and I Googled because I didn't yes. want to know my personal business. Like my personal people, I did not want them to know us at all because I didn't want anybody to judge me or keep saying, right. you're okay, you're okay, it's okay, yes. all the time, blah, 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 blah. So nice. I didn't share it with anybody. I went online and, you know, I went on all these different women's, women's sites and mm-hmm. one suggested that I sit by myself and write a letter to the baby. And you tell the baby everything. You tell her how much I love you, how much I couldn't wait to meet you, um, how much we were waiting <laughs> for you, for God to bless us, all the anger, you know, I'm angry. I saw you in my hands, so I know you exist. You know, I, I, you, I wrote everything in the letter. It was five pages of emotion wow. from yes. anger, sadness. So when I found out that we were pregnant, all the happiness, then all the checkups in between the three months. Um, and everything was going good. And then on the exact day of the three months, when I was supposed to be sharing happy information, yeah, like a funeral, it suggested on, I think it was, I can't remember the website. It was a mommy website. Right. And suggested that I put the letter outside into a bowl mm-hmm. and like a file. And right. Say so that would be me. Right. 
let them go and release it, right? So I did it. Right. It actually, it worked. I felt better. Like, I right. didn't believe in those kind of things because, mm-hmm. well, at least I didn't believe in it up till then. <laughs> Even when yeah. I was reading all those things that I should have been doing, I was like, why am I writing a letter to somebody or something that doesn't exist? Like, yes. you know? But I did it and it, it worked. It, it helped me emotionally. But what happened after that is that it also blocked all my emotions off completely. So mm. I think all emotions that had to come out or would ever come out because of pregnancy or miscarriages again, I think all those emotions came out in that letter and I just put up a big wall in front right. of me. I was incapable of feeling emotions towards miscarriages. And because of my lifestyle, it was easier for me to not feel anything because I didn't have right. much time at home alone. To sit and think about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was always on the go. So even when miscarriages happened to me while I was in business meetings, and I literally, I got so accustomed to it that I would just say, excuse me, every five minutes, go to the washroom, clean up, change a little bit, go back into my meeting. And nobody would know the difference. Nobody, you know, it, for me, it, there was nothing. It was just part of life. It was like yeah. having a period. It was, that's yeah. how bad it was for me. And I felt absolutely nothing through this. Every, yeah. every miscarriage after that one where I wrote a letter and my wall went up. I did not purposely put up the wall, but I'm right. guessing now that God, well, I know now that God allowed me to put the wall up or he put it up for me because mm-hmm. he has his great plans and I am one. I'm that trust completely in God. I have faith, blind faith, and whatever happens, good or bad in my life, I just say, okay, what are we going to do next? <laughs> what next thing happens? Right. You're playing for me. You know? right. I'm a friend band leader, so everybody talks to me. They want to come meet with me. They want, you know, I have so many, so many different things to do. And it can't be, I couldn't be continuing that lifestyle and be emotional at the same time. Yes, so, I hear you. So I just put on my big smile and went out into public and dressed up and pretend like never like it never happened. And honestly, I felt like it never happened. I don't know why. I just felt like I knew it was happening over and over, but I just didn't allow myself or God allowed me to not feel anything because he knew that I had other things to do or he had greater plans for me. But I have had a miscarriage on Carnival Monday morning already on the road. And the people who know me know that I only wear white costumes. So I knew what I knew I was pregnant, but I didn't know it was going to happen. So I went to use the washroom or whatever during the lunch break, and I realized what was happening because at that point in time, I I know how it, how it goes. I know when it's going to start. I know when it's going to end. I know what what to look out for, right? Because I was mm-hmm. so with it. Um, so I literally just I washed off and I put back on my white costume and I went back on the road. And I wow. had a big bottle of blue waters and I would just mm-hmm. pretend that I'm drinking some water or, you know, like in the house in the sun, so you want to want to wet yourself. And I would just pour it down on me so that it would wash off everything. And right. I was on the road like normal because I was a band leader. I had to smile. I had to do interviews. I had to do different things. So I didn't have time to feel anything. And it was wow. so miraculous that God did not. He was so, he cared so much that he did not allow me to feel the emotions because he knew that if I did, it would be, I wouldn't be able to fulfill my role that I needed to fulfill at that point in time in my life. So I know he had a plan. I don't know. I don't know why he chose to do that to me so many times, but it's a blessing. 
All right, Anya, that, that I definitely was not expecting to hear that at all. I mean, I knew you had many miscarriages and we're filming this actually in October, which is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. So it's just fitting that we're highlighting or shining a light on this issue during this month, even though it may not be published in October, but at least we're doing our part. Yeah. To, to, to get, just to bring awareness, because I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who is now hearing a story like this, as incredulous as your story. And then tell me a little bit about growing up in Trinidad and Tobago and the impact of our culture on that experience of having multiple miscarriages. What was that like? Well, okay, so we can't say Trinidad and Tobago because I am from Tobago. Um, right. I was born and grew up in Tobago, went to high school in Tobago, and then I left Tobago at 17. And I went to Roytech in Trinidad to do my associate's degree in business administration. And then I right. went to FIU in Florida to right. continue it. So growing up in Tobago then? Yes. Growing up in Tobago and growing up in Trinidad is two completely different stories. Okay? Yes. I mean, that's yes. clear from now. Okay? Yes. yes. It does not, it's not a good or bad or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Okay? Correct. So growing up in Tobago is a very close-knit environment. My family is a big family in mm-hmm. Tobago, right? Um, it's a popular family in Tobago. My grandmother had 11 kids. My aunt has eight Thank God my mommy and daddy only has two. It's a big lot of us. Yes. And that's just my dad's side of the family. My mm-hmm. mom's side is in Trinidad. So right. I come from a long line of people having babies easily. Like my mom would tell me, you know, how she went to have me at the hospital. She just pushed and then two hours she went back home. And I'm right. like, so what happened? Why don't you, if y'all could do that how many of years ago? why we can't do it now <laughs> yeah know? yeah so growing up I always actually I have a book my mom showed me the other day when I was in primary school they made you write out like a bucket list for your life the most important things that you want to do or want to be in your life and mm-hmm. in, um, one thing that I had on the list was to be a good mommy oh so I it came from all the way back then but we grew up very close so I come from yeah. a family where we are custom sharing everything with each other but my family, I'm not trying to make it sound bad or anything like that, but mm-hmm. we also, we judge each other a lot. It's so good. I don't want to make my family sound bad, but... I think that's something that's common amongst people in general. People judge people. It's not good, but I think it's part of like human nature. It to- is, but for your family, like for your mom or your and so your godmother or your cousin or you know those type of people who's supposed to be pushing you up and raising you up for them to be judging you and pulling you down Mm -hmm. is a difficult process it's something that you have to learn to deal with over the years and I I mean I am comfortable with this right now I have total control over it I know when to just lock off my ears completely and not listen but it took years and not so how did you feel judged with respect to your miscarriages though well, the first few times, actually, I did not tell any of my family members anything. Not because I was embarrassed, because I thought that they would be disappointed in me because I was so young. That really was the, the reason why I did not share it with them the first few okay. times, especially okay. my mother. My dad uh, my dad and I have a very close relationship, but those kind of topics, he kind of <laughs> just 
oh, she decided completely. So, yes, yes. But, but with mommy, if I had shared that information with mommy at that point in time, time I yeah. had to deal with everything else in my life mm-hmm. and be the same Anya and the same everybody that, you know, the same girl with the smile on her face and the bubbly personality 24 hours a day. If I had to deal with her judging me at that point in time, I don't think that I would be here today. I, re- I really yeah. don't think so because... I have a very judgmental family. I, I think I'm the only person who has a family like this. I really, really think so. <laughs> I don't think so, Anya, but okay. <laughs> um, so talk to me about your actual pregnancy with your daughter. Did you experience any complications? Well, I experienced shock completely <laughs> because uh, what we did is we went and we got tested, Daddy and I. Okay. Both of us. We had a plan. Right. And uh, we went, we found out that both of us are able. It's not that I'm not able to carry a baby. And it's not that he's not able to get me pregnant, you know, right. obviously, because it has happened. Mm-hmm. But the fertility clinic here did all it as possible and both of us were fine. So okay. at that point in time, I was like, make a decision. Do we want to have a surrogate? Do we want to go to um, let them do um, yeah, so. to me or whatever? So... We decided first that we were going to try the home ovulation kits. Right. So mm-hmm. we did that for maybe about, uh, I would say about four months. Yeah, mm-hmm. for about four months. And this would have been, my daughter was born in 2019 in September. So that would have been 2018, yeah, 2018 maybe July, August, September, October, during that time, right? So... We for about four months we did it and it didn't work. It really did not work. It made absolutely no difference. And I was like looking at a test every month and seeing negative. And then at the same time, you have to be like prepared to have sex. <laughs> it's not, yes. you know, it's like, okay, all right, let's go. Chop, chop in the bedroom. Right. <laughs> yes. You know, that, that's, not, that, that's not a turn on at all. So no. <laughs> it was like a job. So and exactly, then we, started, yeah. we said, okay, let's take a break. Okay. Let's just take a break for, for a little while. Mm-hmm. And my husband, we, we're not officially married, but my husband, okay? Mm-hmm. He, he, we've been together for 15 years. So, yeah, that's your husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> so we went, and he only told me the story. Um, I hope he does not see this because I will get both. Um, he only told me the story afterwards. So we relaxed. We stopped the ovulation kit in November, okay? Mm-hmm. And we... Just, I mean, a normal husband, wife, you have sex when yeah. you want to, blah, 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 normal. You know, we didn't have to do it at a specific time during right. 3 o'clock and 7 o'clock and, you know, yes, all that. Yes, time. yes, So, but he didn't give me some, a conversation that he actually had with a pastor. And mm-hmm. I think it was a pastor at, a, at the barbershop that he goes to, right? right? So, he only told me the story afterwards. We went out to a party, Christmas parties, because we are party people. Right. We are party people, and when this country opens up, I will be at every single party, and I will be the first and last person to leave. Okay, I cannot wait. I cannot right. wait. So he didn't tell me this, but we went. I could pinpoint it down to the exact date and nice. time that right. happened. We went to a Christmas party at one of the um, the most popular nightclubs in Trinidad at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a private Christmas event, and we went to it. And we went home. I know any normal couple would do when they when they had alcohol in their hair and you know normal things. 
the thing started and we did what we normally do. You know, husband and wife had sex, we had intercourse, nothing wrong with that. I could no. share that with you very easily. And it was normal. It was like we did all the positions. I don't want to go too graphic, but we did all the positions <laughs> that we would normally do. Okay. It was right. different. Nothing was out of the ordinary. Nothing was out of the ordinary. Right. And but he still did not tell me anything about his conversation through all okay. of this. Okay. Okay. And then we came to Tobago for Christmas. And when we got back to Trinidad, um, oh, we have two dogs, two um, two tiny multis puppies, right? Mm-hmm. And usually they gravitate towards him all of the time. They don't come to me. They go and hug him up and right. spend time on the couch with him or whatever. So I went on the bed and the two of them jumped on top of me and they started sniffing like all around my stomach. And I was like, mm-hmm. what's going on? I sm- am I smelling bad? Like, some, <laughs> like I have food or something somewhere in my stomach that you're trying to eat. What's going on? Um, because it was abnormal. So he, my, my husband sat up there and he's like, we're going on with those dogs because, you know, that's not normal. They don't gravitate towards right. you, they gravitate towards me. So, yes. and he went outside in the living room. Dogs were still on top of my tummy. And then something just told me, you know what, Anna? Just take a test. Okay? Just right. take it. Just in case. I had my period on everything. I was not expecting it. It wasn't even an option for me in my head because right. everything went as normal, my period on schedule. Before yeah. that, right? Before, so, yeah. So I went and I took the test and Mm -hmm. the two lines came up. So I ran outside to him. At that point in time, I knew for sure, I don't know why or how I knew for sure that this was it, that this was the time. Mm -hmm. But I felt all the emotions immediately, like all the emotions, Mm -hmm. not the bad emotions that go on. No, but any feeling. Yeah. Yes. I had like full, happy, joy. I I don't even know how to describe it to you because it was so different than the feeling for all the other times of the miscarriages. So yes. it was so hard to, it wasn't hard. And I don't know how it was so easy for me to feel all those positive, happy emotions. Because usually if I see that, I expect a miscarriage after that, right? So right. my wall would be up. For some reason, God didn't put that wall up for this one. So I ran outside and I showed him the test. He did not let his wall down. So right. his wall was still up. We said, okay, all right, so let's see how it goes. We go to the doctor, blah, blah, blah. Normal, normal things because we know how to expect it, when to expect right. miscarriages mm-hmm. to happen. So his wall was still up. And I was there being totally happy. And he was like, you know what? You need to come out of that state right now. Because if anything happens, you are going to go crazy. And mm-hmm. we don't want anything to happen to you because I'm epileptic. Okay, right. but I was still happy. Like I knew, I like I felt God talking to me, telling me, "This is it. This is your present, Anya. This is this is your gift from me. Right. I was saving this one for you." And she chose you to be her mommy. Like I, I can hear it in my head. I can hear. And so, did it. you have any complications during this pregnancy, though? Absolutely none. Coming down to the, I actually the first three months where they say you're supposed to be nauseous and blah blah blah. I felt nothing. I was perfectly fine. The doctor put me on bed rest only because of the oh, miscarriage. Right, no. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I had no no symptom. No, no nothing. Like I, I was perfectly fine. I could have done life as normal. But right. because of the doctor, I said, I mean follow the rules, blah, blah, blah. But in my head I already knew that this was gonna work. this was gonna be the right. one. So uh so the three months passed and mm-hmm. we told everybody. And, right. you know, everybody was happy and all that. Because they don't know about all the miscarriages that happened before. Right. 
I bought a Doklo. Actually, one of my good friends, um, Ashley Barker and Trezende, uh, she gave me the gift of a Doklo where you could hear the baby listen, listen mm-hmm. to the heartbeat, right? Right. And so we had the home Doppler, so we would do it. Because we are paranoid, we would do it like maybe four times a day. Um, oh, wow. So, and during the first, I think it was the fourth month of my pregnancy, I actually, the third, the third month, after the third month, I went to New York to shop for carnival materials for the following year, right? Mm-hmm. And when we came back home, I was, my husband was showering and I was just right outside the shower talking, having a conversation with him and I had a seizure, a small mm. one, right? Uh, but he knows what to do when I have a right. seizure, right? So he just jumped out of the shower. He put me on my side. It lasted maybe about a minute. So he took me there onto the bed and I was like, what's going on with the baby? I need to hear the heartbeat. No, 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 no. And he put it on. At first we didn't hear a heartbeat and I was like, shaking because I was still I was shaking but I wasn't shaking because I thought I was having a miscarriage I was shaking because I just needed to hear it (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right so I I was still in the zone of this is mine God this is God to me nothing is going to happen but the hair I need to hear it so we did all that we heard it after a while it was fine Um, and then I went back to the gym as normal I worked out um, by one of my good friends, the personal trainer, and uh-huh. it worked out until up until seven months, seven, mm-hmm. seven and a half months. I worked out right. every day for five, five days a week, not with heavy weights, obviously, but I was working out as normal. I had no complications. The only thing is, because I love pita pit salads. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I eat a pita pit salad every single day for three years, mm-hmm. and I'm very happy with that. Wow. But for some reason, I just, could not even walk into Peter I could not even smell it at all. Yes, yes. So that was the only thing I had. Um, okay. I had two mm-hmm. weeks before I got to the Philippines, I'm sorry. Um, I started to get a really, really bad heartburn. Like, really, right. it was horrible, horrible, horrible. So I went to the doctor. It was a Tuesday. Dr. Samantha Bagan. She is, for anybody who wants to know, she's the best, okay? Who's <laughs> Samantha Bagan? So I went to her on Tuesday and I said, listen, doc. This is not passing it anymore. This baby needs to come out. And it's coming out this weekend. So, oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, I know she's ready to come out. And I'm ready for her to come out too. So let's get this done. Right. <laughs> it's like, Anya, you know, I don't like to usually deliver babies on a weekend. But, you know, I've been with you through all of this. And I will make the exception for you. It is not, I will do it for you. So we made a plan. She said, go check into Sinclair. I had a baby at Sinclair, Sinclair Medical. So she checked me in at midnight on a Friday night, on that same Friday night. So I went to her on the Tuesday, the Friday. She checked there. She checked me in at midnight and they gave me, started to induce me. Right. I want a natural, natural baby. So, so you were about 38 weeks at this point in time? Yes. Right. But she made sure that everything was good with my daughter before she gave me the okay. Of course, yes. But yes. I didn't care if she said it was okay or not. I was just like, the child is coming out, she's ready, and I, I'm fed up of my chest burning me, okay? So yeah. this happened like now. <laughs> right. So, so and how was the actual labor and delivery? Was that well, traumatic? That part was a nightmare. <laughs> that, that was a nightmare part because yeah. 
I was planning this whole natural booth. I had the, uh, one of those doulas come home and give us these private classes. And, you know, I did the whole works about the, I, I got every possible, these bouncy balls that you're supposed to bounce around in the yes. room on, every position mm-hmm. that could possibly make you come more comfortable. I was versed. I was ready to go and push mm-hmm. and push and just get it done over with. So I was induced on the Friday night at midnight. Nothing happened. Until nothing happened at all, actually, until like maybe about 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Like a little bit of, I felt a little bit. Yeah, there's something, but nothing to talk about. Like my entire family, as I told you, very close family, very big family. 20 people in a room around my bed. Okay, six at five o'clock, the doctor came. Actually, every half an hour she came and she literally pushed her entire hand up inside of me, I will never forget how much that hit. So she put her hand far, you know, so she could feel the baby, right? And yes. feel exactly where she was and her position and everything. And so she would come every half an hour and do that. It would be crossing her to the top of my lungs. Eventually, she just said, Anya, okay, I have to do it. Otherwise, you're not getting your child, okay? So just yeah. shut up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So she kept doing that, right? So but about six later, she came and she did it. And she realized that the reason why I was having the contractions, the contractions were worse at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But the baby, Skylar is her name. Skylar is mm-hmm. my daughter's name. She was not, she was trying to come, but she could not, she couldn't come down. And then is when Dr. Wagon put her hand inside. She realized that Skylar's head was pressing against my pelvic bone and the cord was wrapped around her neck. Oh, she boy. Able to do anything. She was able to move. So yeah. at that point in time, she said, you know what we need to do um, is either we start to try to turn her and you start to push, which would be a longer process. And it would be more painful for me. Mm-hmm. Or you do uh, emergency C-section. So right. at that point in time, I was like, you know what, doc? At first, I, I asked for the epidural because mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I want to go down this road. Let me go down this road. I want to do my whole natural thing. I want my story to tell everybody I want it. And my mother, my aunt, all the females in my family was in the room at the same time, begging me not to have this epidural, okay? Not to take it. So in the back of my head, I'm hearing my husband saying, oh my God, just give it to her so she feels comfortable. And then you're hearing my mom and my aunt on the next side saying, oh my God, no, 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 no. You're going to get paralyzed. You're going to get paralyzed. So, and then he brought into the room who actually gave it to me. And he was like, Okay, so who's having the baby in here? And, <laughs> um, obviously, she was like, you're having the baby in here? Okay, so yeah. else, get outside. Get out. Yes. <laughs> now, try to end baby for a little while. Um, she really did try, but it was impossible. Okay, so, and then so you ended up doing the emergency section. And so I told the doctor, I said, Dr. Bagan, before she started, I said, Doc, remember, you went through all of this with me before. You know I'm involved in carnival. So you make this cut as low down and as small as possible, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Anya, that's really what you're thinking about right now? I was <laughs> like, yes, I'm giving you instructions. No more than two inches. Oh my God. Go down as possible. Okay. Otherwise, I'm going to sue you. <laughs> and I had everybody cracking up in there. But long story short, my husband was there with me, trying to keep me. I think you have, they have to keep me awake for, for yes. whatever reason. Mm-hmm. They have to keep mm-hmm. me awake. So he was there talking crap in my head. Um, and I was like, you know, I could smell smoke when it was happening because he was actually here and I'm like, I saw yes, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But they put on the screen so I couldn't yeah. see it. I wasn't feeling mm-hmm. it, but I was smelling it. 
Mm-hmm. And then he was like, so he be, he's there trying to talk to me and trying to bring up all these random stupid conversations. And I'm like, could you please shut up and tell me when this child is going to, when you're going to actually start this process and get this child out? And all this time he could see them pulling and tugging and pulling out the organs and whatever, right? Right, right. So, and then I was like, I just shouted at everybody. I was like, okay, when the hell are y'all going to start doing this? Okay. And as soon as they did that, I heard the child cry. And I was like, okay. That means your spinal worked very well. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, he is done. And they put her on my chest and she immediately grabbed onto her dad's finger. And I was just like, just like that? Like, that, how, how does that happen? Just like that? Like, I didn't feel anything. But yeah. my husband was like, he was freaked out, but he couldn't show it. She was healthy, healthy baby. Um, nothing Fantastic. The only thing is, and I told the doctors before I went into the room to have the um the C section, before I went and I told it, I told them, I said, You guys, I am epileptic and stress brings on the seizures. Yes, yeah. So mm-hmm. you all need to be on the lookout. And so said, so done. So I so you had a seizure? Yes, right. Uh, uh, after they took her but they carried us back upstairs in Sinclair. Okay. Mm-hmm. And for it to latch on and get the yes. colostrum, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. So they, they tried to get her to latch on. As soon as she latched on, she got it maybe for like about, I really can't remember because my seizures like make my memory. You lose memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she latched on maybe for a couple minutes. I didn't even get to hug her up. I didn't see her face properly. I didn't, I didn't see anything. I can't remember anything, any of those details. And then I had a seizure and my husband reached over, grabbed the baby and gave her to my dad, I think it was. And then they dealt with me on the side and that was it. I can't remember anything after that. After that, yeah. Wow. But I'm just happy, just so happy. And I know the audience listening is also thrilled that you were able to have a healthy baby girl. And And it is possible to everybody. And I want... All females. I wish I could tell the story like to a bigger audience because mm-hmm. it wasn't something I was willing to share. Even when I told my husband I'm gonna do it, mm-hmm. he was like, Those are not things that you share with people. Those are that's mm-hmm. private things. And I'm like, it it doesn't need to be private because what my story could help somebody else with their emotions. Exactly. Like, exactly. like how I learned to write a letter and put it and emotion goes away, you know. It, that could help somebody else. So mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be private. It doesn't need to, it's not going to be ashamed of. It's just something that happens. And it happens because, well, in my opinion, because God has your life planned out and he knows when he wants to do what and why he wants to do it at that point in time. So yes. I told me it wasn't, it wasn't embarrassing for me to share the story or to put out the post or to give i mean i was i wouldn't share the amount of miscarriages because it was a lot but right. i will share any story and I, I could share it with any female i just really wish that women would talk to each other more about things like this because mm-hmm. it helps it really, yes. really really does help and my story i got messages after my post lots and lots and lots of messages about people saying you know nobody has ever told these graphic stories before these details and whatever and they're so you know they're so proud or different different ways people would use to describe it right um, they're so happy able to hear those kind of stories the actual truth and not just the vision the flowery of, you know, one. For, fa- for family members who go through this with their daughters or their wives or whoever it is i would just say stay close but mm-hmm. 
give space. Give them their space. Mm-hmm. Them I like that. Mm-hmm. If they reach to you, you be there so that you can catch them if they fall. But if they don't, yes. you then just be there when they come out of it. Yes, you know? I like that. Mm-hmm. So Skylar Grace is her name. Beautiful uh, name. She just turned two years old. Um, mm-hmm. Perfectly healthy. Nothing is wrong with her. So <laughs> tell me, is it a soca song that you're going to choose for your song to best describe your journey? Or is it going to be another song? Have you thought yeah, about it? So my favorite artists of all time, Celine Dion and Andre Bocelli. Mm-hmm. And they did a collaboration. Right. Celine Dion's song called My Prayer. Mm. And called My Prayer, uh, A Mother's Prayer was the, yes. the version of it that they did. So mm-hmm. I, that was, that's my number one song in the entire world. That song represents me and how I feel about my about my scale <laughs> because Aww. I really think that the other, the other miscarriages before mm-hmm. but it wasn't for me God, God just said you know what that's not what I want for you right now I'm keeping your angel I'm keeping her safe for you and I will give her to you when I think that you're ready to handle her <laughs> okay so I waited and I got it your time. being epileptic um, people were very worried but the first three months of my life I was not able to hold her Nobody allowed me to hold my baby. I was oh. not able to breastfeed because of the medication that I'm on for the rest of my life. I so I never breastfed. Um, I was not allowed to be left alone with her for the six months of first six months of life. So I lost a lot of important time with her. But she was there. I was okay. She was there. One is like a really hands-on daddy. He's like amazing. With her. He has no problem doing anything. He will do anything for that child, and he'll do anything for me. So yeah. he's a very good dad. Um, so I'm blessed. Yeah. Blessed in that fact that I'm blessed uh, with my family. My, my dad, uh, it is amazing because they, they are like the eyeball. She is the only granddaughter and she is like everybody's eyeball. Yeah. My brother, do not have a child, you know, do not have a child <laughs> because then she, they're going to have to share their attention. So all females over there, Nothing is wrong with you. Nothing is wrong with you. And if you want to get any more graphic details and stay on this blog, um, <laughs> feel free to reach out. And okay. I will get any I will put right. all your information. Well, not all your information, yeah. but I'll put whatever information you care to share in our show notes down below. So listeners can listen. They can reach out to you. And it was such a pleasure having you on. And I really hope our audience is able to garner some gems from what you had to share with us. And I really appreciate you taking your time. I know it was challenging us connecting, but I'm so happy that we made this connection at last. It was my pleasure. It was my absolute pleasure. And I was hesitant at first before I even put up the course. But I was so excited when you you messaged me. Um, I felt like people appreciated it and people really Mm. loved it. And that alone by itself was enough for me. So thank you for allowing me the opportunity to hopefully help other women and other girls who may be going through the same thing or worse or not as yes. bad or whatever. Just help them feel a little less pressure on themselves. That mm-hmm. alone, this entire thing was it for me. It. And as I said, I totally enjoyed it. Um, okay. I was a bit embarrassed. Not embarrassed. I was a bit scared at first because I tend to talk a lot, as you know. So <laughs> I was a bit scared at first as to how detailed I was going to get. So I was like keeping back some information. <laughs> 
Um, but then it's ended up telling you everything. Even if you go to edit, yeah, you go to edit. We'll edit some, but you know, <laughs> we'll leave the it best part. It was my pleasure. I am so happy Thank to you. do it. And I, if I could have helped two people, ten people, twenty people to just feel a little less stressed out by it and a little mm-hmm. less embarrassed by the entire process, then I'm happy. Your job That's is done. Job. Thank you. Yeah. All right, so I'll see you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Caribbean Birth Stories has been brought to you by the Amai Birth Collection. Head over to theamaishop.com. That's the A-M-A-I shop.com for special offers and to learn more about the Amai family. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'd be grateful if you could leave a review about what you're loving on this podcast and be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes.